You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Run It Again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Marks. And we want to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run It Again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. Welcome to Run It Again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Marks. All right. Well, uh, I just want to introduce you to the show, Warren. It's uh, it's great to have you here. We got Hall of Famer Warren Moon uh, joining us. And, and Warren, I how good is my life, man? I get to sit here every week and talk football with, with the man, Coach Mike Martz. And, uh, between the two of us, Warren, you know, we, we pretty much know everybody's problem and how to fix it in the NFL every week. Well, that's why you have a podcast, man, so you can, you can solve all the problems of the world. That's right. <laughs> hey, did, uh, did you get a chance to check out that, that game Monday night, Cleveland and, and Baltimore? Quite a game. Boy, it hasn't been many like that. And uh, those two quarterbacks really put on a show in completely different ways, but they both put on a show and they showed their, uh, their, their strengths as far as what they do best to, to put on that type of show. And uh, it, was, it was really a treat to see. I haven't seen a Monday night game like that in a long time. Yeah. yeah. Well, who was, it? Who was it, the basketball player that came out back in the day, came out hurt? Uh, at the last minute. Willis Reed. Willis Reed, right? Yeah, that, that felt Willis Reed like when, when Lamar came back out of the tunnel, you know, I guess he had dehydration or whatever, and then just let him back down the field for another score. Something yeah, like he was cramping up, and uh, a lot of people wondered why you'd be cramping in it when it's only 20-something degrees out there, but it doesn't matter. If you're dehydrated, you don't have enough water or, uh, you know, hydration in your system, you're going to cramp up, so. Yeah. There was a lot of people on the internet saying that he had to use the bathroom, but you don't go to the bathroom for that long. He was back there for <laughs> quite a while. He was probably 20, 25 minutes, and uh, they probably put an IV bag on him and tried to get some fluids in his body. I guess he's still trying to recover from COVID. I guess last week he was not feeling good and uh, just kind of carried over. He just wore out, you know. It's amazing he's able to put on that type of performance coming off of something like that. And Unbelievable. That, that uh, COVID is kind of hit everybody differently but uh, from the people that I've talked to that have had it they said it's no joke and yeah. uh, you don't want to mess with it and you don't know what the long-term effects of it are either that's the scary thing yeah right. yeah now you know coach has talked a lot about Baker Mayfield and and I think coach March was on this long before anybody else was about what type of player he could be and and with or without Odell Beckham it it, it almost feels like he's gone to another level but Give me your take on on um, on Baker, and, and give me your take on Lamar. You know, jump into these guys and, and break them down. Well, I think Baker. First of all, the thing I like about him is is his attitude. He has a little bit of swagger to him. Sometimes too much swagger for for what he's done in the NFL. You know, he had a great college career, no question mm-hmm. about it. But when you come into the NFL, you start over from from uh, from day one. You start at the bottom. You work your way back up, and it almost felt like he would he had arrived before he got here. So I think he's been humbled a little since he's been in the league. Uh, he's had a, a lot of turnover since he's been in the league as well. I think he's had three head coaches, uh, probably four offensive coordinators. So that doesn't help a young quarterback when he's trying to develop. But I think he's finally in a system now with Kevin Stefanski that's going to take advantage of what he does best, which is 
get him out on the edge, get him on the move. He throws the ball very well on the run. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to be able to sit back in the pocket and beat you because he, he doesn't have a lot of height. Uh, I think he loses vision on the field that way. But when you get him outside the pocket, his vision opens up and now he's able to throw to people and he has good, uh, good accuracy on the run. So with the running game that they have with Chubb and, and the, the fact that he can throw it on the move, now that play action game really opens up for him and it takes advantage of his, of his skills. Um, Lamar Jackson, we know what he is. He, you know, he's a dynamic player with his legs, uh, steadily improving with his arm, but he still has a ways to go. And if he ever gets uh, a little bit more improved with his throwing ability, he's going to be a beast um, if he doesn't get hurt before that. And that's the biggest thing I worry about Lamar is how many times he touches the football, how many times he carries it. It only takes that one big shot. And I, I saw it with Michael Vick. I saw it with Randall Cunningham. I've seen it with other yeah. – mobile quarterbacks it only takes that one big shot and next thing you know your career is going in a different direction so yeah that's great I'm hoping that that he can um, improve that passing part of it so he can stay in the pocket a little bit more and not take as many hits that he had as he has to take uh, going down the field and he can still be that dual threat quarterback but more of it be on the passing side of it than the running side of it mm-hmm do you think that that's a change that they went through last night, a departure from what they are trying to do with him in the past? Do you feel like they're trying to keep him in the pocket a little bit in the past and discipline passing game, so to speak, or and they just kind of let him play here last night? Warren, do you think that could be a, a possibility? Yeah, you know, I'm really not sure because when you drop back to pass, you would think that you, you're uh, wanting to throw the football when, you, when you're dropping back to throw it, but – uh, I don't know if he's going through his progression like he should, or maybe it's the fact that he feels pressure and he just wants to get out of there. And sometimes a coach will tell you, especially if you have running ability, uh, like if you play a, a two-man where everybody's running man, right. man with their guy and you see it open up and you <clears> take <throat> off. Well, when he has that type of ability as a quarterback to run the football, maybe it's not just two-man, maybe it's any type of man. You see man for man and things open up in the pocket, you take off because everybody's got their back turned to you. And once he gets into the secondary, uh, that makes him just even more dynamic. So he might be coached a little bit differently than most other quarterbacks are when they see a man type of coverage. Right. Yeah, that's interesting what you said, Warren. It, everybody's a runner until you take that one big hit. And, and life does change huh, at that point. I don't know if people realize that you know, as a quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, you know, when I was in the league, when I came in in, uh, in 84, I, you know, I'm playing with Houston and we're playing against Pittsburgh twice a year, right? So uh, I remember one time I'm running down the sideline trying to get an extra couple of yards and, and Donnie Shell, who, you know, just got inducted in the Hall of Fame, he hit me in my hip, man. He gave me a hip pointer. And from then on, I said, okay, I'm going to start throwing the football to the people that need to take these hits and I'm going to become more of a distributor and I'm not going to run the ball as much as, much as I used to because they will kill you. Their eyes get much bigger when they see a quarterback running the football. Right. I'm going to pick right. my spots and I'm going to make sure I know where the ground is or I know where those sidelines are and I'm not going to take any more hits like that. Yeah. Mike, how are you with, with uh, your quarterback, especially Kirk, when it came you know, time to run? Well, you know, Kurt was good either left or to the right, breaking out of the pocket. But we always told him if you have to break, break and separate as best you can before you start trying to find somebody because you get run down yeah. from behind because you didn't have that kind of speed. But uh, we didn't encourage him to run at all just because of, you know, he got the ball out so fast. He he could see and recognize things so quickly. Uh, we just did not want to expose him. He just didn't have that kind of 
foot speed to be able to do that. But Jake Cutler on his own would do this when I was with the Bears. And he got hit on a Monday night. Uh, we're playing the Packers, and he got hit on a blitz, blindsided, and he was never the same after that. I always felt like after that hit, he was just never the same. He just – he was playing really well. He was on an upward trend. He got hit in the side of the head there, and then that was it. You know, he yeah. played okay after that, but it, it, he just was never the same. It's almost like boxers, you, you know, that haven't lost yet or, or really been touched. And then once they get hit or lose a fight, it is, it's a different situation. That, you know, you know uh, Reggie Bush, uh, as a young player, I can't remember what year it was, but they are playing Indianapolis. And he, I'll never forget this on TV. He's run down the sideline, and he got hit and just – his body parts got separated. You know, he just got exploded and he, yeah. he was never the same after that. Yeah. Hey, speaking of, of, of Pittsburgh, you mentioned Pittsburgh one, I, that, that game the other night, uh, I guess Sunday night, Pittsburgh and, and uh, Buffalo, uh, you know, interesting game because two quarterbacks that I like to watch, especially this Josh Allen kid, you know, I've been waiting for him to, to go to that next level. And I wasn't quite sure on him the last couple of years, but now I'm seeing it, and, and uh, he's a lot bigger and more physical than people think he is, but he seems to do a pretty good job. I'm curious to, to know what you think of him. Well, I think everybody thought when they first drafted him, he was this big, strong, uh, strong-arm guy, great athlete that uh, could be developed into something. And I think that's what Buffalo's plan was, to take him and develop him. And I think that's what they've done. And he's, he's really turning into a really good quarterback uh, because he's got all the physical tools, and now he's starting to put all that together. He's got his fundamentals up under him. He, you know, he worked with a quarterback coach this offseason to really really uh, tighten up his fundamentals, and you can see that in, in the way he's uh, throwing the football. He's a lot more accurate. I think he's like 10% more accurate than he was last year, 15% more since he's come into the league. So uh, he's really made improvements that way and uh, making better decisions with the football. So – uh, they think they've got their quarterback of the future for a long time. Uh, he's a guy that has mobility, probably got one of the strongest arms in the league, and then you then you uh, put accuracy on top of that. Uh, he's a dangerous guy to, to play with. So uh, yeah. Buffalo's got to really feel good about the way he's playing right now and, and leading this football team. Well, they rewarded him with Diggs and Beasley too, <laughs> which helps him, you know, without oh, Diggs. Yeah. He's not the That's same true. guy without Diggs. He's made a lot yeah. of plays. But he, you're right. He's just so much more accurate than he's been. And he looks so much more comfortable in the offense to me, you know, and they're 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 letting him play. I think earlier in the year, uh, you know, they sporadically let him play. And I think he's one of those guys, Warren, as you get hot as a quarterback, you just let him go. You know, you just let him play. Yeah, and, you know, Brian Dayball, their, uh, their offensive coordinator, I'm sure he's – understanding what he does best too. Right. Those are the things yeah. he's incorporated in their offense. And that's so important uh, when, it, when you have a young quarterback, try and do the things he does best and not try and make, some, make him do some things that he can't do because right. you can get more production out of him if you do that. Hey, let me, let me run something back there. Warren, you said he, he spent extra time with the quarterback coach. You're talking about the quarterback coach with the Bills. He didn't, he didn't have someone else on the side, did he? Yeah, he, he did. Worked. He had Carson Carson Palmer's brother, um, uh, Jordan Palmer. He, he's a quarterback coach. He's coached a lot of different guys, and he worked with Jordan. I think he's worked with Jordan since he came out, but he really made a lot of improvement this past this past offseason. And Interesting. Uh, huh. you can really see the difference. Yeah, yeah. Mike, what would your take be on that as a coach? Would you would you well, have to get the okay on that before you let your quarterback work with someone outside well, of the, the company there? We felt good about doing that. That's something that – 
I was based in as a young coach, you know, as a biomechanics guy and, um, you know, just the flat shoulders, the bent knees and where they hold the ball and, you know, all those things that, you know, keeping the weight between your feet, not tipping your shoulders unless it's a deep ball, just the basic fundamentals of setting and not tilting and doing all those things. You just have to rep that, you know, and they, and they get into a groove and then become second nature to them when they're athletic, like he is. And he's, he's setting with good bent knees, flat shoulders and, and keeping his feet alive. Um, you know, one of the things that Lamar has a hard time when he sits in the pocket, he gets planted, doesn't move his feet, you know, and, and that's yeah. never good in terms of accuracy. Baker Mayfield is all over the place with his feet. He could improve dramatically if he would just set himself and work up into the pocket a little bit, even though he is a, a bit of a short guy. But I think when you're short like that, the shotgun helps you a little bit. I think one of the things that Carson Wentz has a real problem with is, you know, and you remember this, Warren, when you set in the gun, if you set at 10 yards, you're going to get sacked. Right. You know, those guys come off the edge. That's their aim at that. You have to take that away and scoot up into the pocket and, and, Car, Car, or Wentz just does not – I just stop seeing him do that and you're going to get sacked. You can't protect a quarterback that does that. So the fundamentals of just being in the pocket and what you do with your eyes, Baker Mayfield's a guy that can improve dramatically. I think watching um, watch Josh Allen, uh, he does everything. Just He's impeccable right now. He's just really good. They've done a great job with him. And, and there's not a lot of guys in the league that coach a position that coach the fundamentals, believe it or not. You would think that that would be the case, but it just that. isn't. Yeah. 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 And, and I think as long as these guys are communicating with their teams on what right. they're doing, uh, it shouldn't be a problem because a lot of these coaches don't have the time in the offseason, especially the early offseason, because now they've gotten involved with the draft and, and going around and, and scouting players and that that they don't have the time to put in uh, to coach these guys in the offseason. So you look at Aaron Rodgers or you look at Drew Brees, all these guys have been working with quarterback coaches, uh, Tom Brady with Tom House all those different years. So I don't think teams have a problem with it as long as they're doing uh, the fundamental things, like you said, Coach, and, and not trying to get away and do some other things that are away from what they want want their quarterback to do. But they're not allowed today to be, even be with those guys in the offseason. You know, right. when I was – you know, we were allowed to do that you know, so we could spend a lot of time with them. But, I mean, you, yeah. you miss so much of that, and that's why some of these young kids just don't get developed. Exactly. And yeah. I don't know if the, if the Players Association really understands that. They really are yeah. Uh, yeah. penalizing these young players that they can't get in the building until April to, to start working with their coaches and, and trying to learn their system. Same thing with free agents. They can't get into the building either until April. So – uh, you're really at a disadvantage, and you can see you can see it in the way the play of the NFL is. There's there's not good tackling. There's not good fundamentals with a lot of different positions, and that's part of the reason why these guys don't get coached up the way they need to be. Warren, that's a pet peeve of both Ron and ours. We've been talking about that for a long time, and that's why we think too. There's a there's a necessity or a need for a league other than Absolutely. you know to develop young quarterbacks that yeah. perhaps can do that. But go ahead, Ron. Yeah. Russell, uh, let, let me let me talk about one guy who's in your area up there in Seattle, uh, Warren, R Russell Wilson. You know, Russell, every time you watch Russell play, I, I just smile because he seems to be he reminds me so much of you and his in his pocket presence and being mobile and always aware of what's around him and never seeming to um, unravel in the pocket when there's a lot going on to make you unravel uh, your thoughts on him. You know, I've been impressed with him ever since he came into to the league. I watched him as a rookie. You know, I did their games up here ever since he's been here. So, 
Um, I had a chance to see him up in close personal a, a lot during practice, during games or whatever, and got a chance to have yeah. a relationship with him. Uh, just a very driven guy, very hard-nosed guy, a guy that has a chip on his shoulder because of his size and what people have told him for so many years. Um, but a tremendous um, athlete, tremendous competitor, and he loves to be his best at winning time. He, he always talks about being great when it's time to be great in football games. Uh, mm-hmm. Very positive thinker. You know, he works with a sports psychologist, so uh, he's always being positive about everything he thinks about. He never – you never see the guy have a couple of bad games in a row. He, he's, uh, he always bounces back, and uh, he's won more games than any other quarterback in his first nine years in the league, so that tells you a lot about who he is. Sure it does. But, Warren, who of the young quarterbacks playing today in the last couple of years impresses you the most? In the last couple of years, yeah, boy, you got to go with Patrick Mahomes. In the last couple of years, I think he's probably the most uh, impressive, uh, just because of what he's been able to do in such a short period of time. You know, he's a Super Bowl MVP, he's a league MVP already. And this is only his what third or fourth year, um, but there's a lot of good ones. We talked about Josh Allen; he's really come into his own. Uh, you look at Lamar Jackson's already won an MVP. I think Dak Prescott has been very impressive in his first four or five years in the league. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is a guy who's really impressed me the last couple of years from what happened to him in in Miami and where he's kind of bounced back. Sometimes you need a new, a new location. Sometimes you need a new address just to get out of an environment that maybe so much was, was asked of you or so you were, you were, uh, you had so many expectations put on you and you didn't live up to them, but sometimes you got to go somewhere else to make those expectations happen. And Ryan Tannehill is showing that, you know, he's a bounce back, a really good player. And he hasn't played a lot of quarterback to tell you the truth. You know, you right. remember he was a wide receiver in college up until right. the last year or two. So he's kind of developed into the, the type of player. I think everybody thought he could be when he was drafted as a top 10 pick. Uh, so there's a lot of good young quarterbacks in this league. Um, the league is in very, very good shape. Deshaun Watson's another guy that's really impressed me. He's, he's had some injuries since he's been in the league, but whenever he's healthy, he's one of the top quarterbacks as well. But, you know, he uh, just doesn't have the team around him right now, and that's, that's, uh, that's too bad for him. How about Herbert? Have you been impressed with Herbert, Warren, um, down San Diego? Or in San Diego? I, I really have. Um, I watched him a lot up here in Seattle just being, you know, because he was at, at Oregon, and, and got a chance to know him uh, before the draft this year. Really impressive young guy, really intelligent. What is he, like a 4.2 uh, um, major in college, uh, academic All-American, uh, and a heck of an athlete at that position. And then to learn you're going to be the starter like five minutes before the second game of the season. Yeah, yeah right. He goes out there and all he's done is, you know, throw for 300 yards almost every week. Um, that, sh- that tells you something about him as far as how he prepares and, and how he gets ready for games because – if you haven't had a lot of playing time in the National Football League, that's where you get it from. You get it from preparation. You get it from reps and practice until you get into a football game. But he has really played well. You know, he's, he's kind of uh, maybe hit a wall here the last couple of weeks, but uh, I still think he's a very impressive guy. Warren, is there a dark horse team in the playoffs that you kind of like think that might be there at the end? You know, not the favorites like Kansas City and Pittsburgh perhaps, but is there a team that you really like that – might be there at the end of the, the deal here in the playoffs? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. Um, the league has been so up and down. You know, I think if Alex Smith is able to stay healthy, uh, the Washington team is really trending in the right way as far as 
how dynamic their defense is. And if you can play defense, uh, if you can run the ball a little bit, and I know they lost Gibson a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how long he's going to be gone. And if your quarterback is going to make good decisions, which Alex Smith will do, he'll take care of the football. Um, they've got a chance to make some noise, and you probably don't want to see them in the playoffs if they're able to make it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, that's right. interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. a great defensive line, probably the best one in the league right now. Yeah, well, I, all those first rounders on that thing—people thing. yeah. forgot they're, about they're, that. They're yeah. playing like it too. Yeah, yeah they are. All of a sudden, yeah. they're playing. The, you know, got a coach in Ron Rivera, who I respect a lot, who's fighting through cancer, fought through cancer, fought through the treatment. So. I think mentally that team, when they walk in the locker room, walk in the meeting room, there's a little different mojo going on. Well, and you got a quarterback who almost lost his leg. And, and that too, yeah. yeah. That, and that too, and he's out there playing. So if, if you want to look for some inspiration, you look at your quarterback, who's your leader of your team, and you look at your head coach and what he had to go through while he was trying to lead you guys through this season. Never missed a game. Yeah. He was there every, every Sunday. So there's yeah. something that goes along with that. And, um, they won a game last week and didn't score an offensive touchdown. Yeah. They scored two yeah. touchdowns on defense and uh, field goals. So yeah. they're a team that doesn't have to score a lot of points on offense to beat you. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Run It Again after this message. Courageous is a word that describes America's veterans. Sadly, another word we can use is homeless. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street. You can help. Donate at CardboardToHeadboard.org. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. On this week's episode, Steph and I have not recovered from Monday Night Football's Game of the Year, and we want to talk about it. We relive the night that was, Lamar's cramps and all, before previewing the NFL's Week 15 and all the playoff implications that accompany it. Then we're back to Dylan for love, second chances, and Pantherama on Friday Night Lights. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. Ron Pitts, Mike Martz, and Hall of Famer Warren Moon here on Run It Again. Okay, so Warren, I'm just, uh, you know, I always run through people's bios here, and your bio is just so impressive. First undrafted Canadian League player, African-American quarterback inducted into the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame, 23 years in the league. You look back over your time as a player. When you were at the University of Washington, how many black quarterbacks were in the NFL your senior year that you can recall? I can maybe recall one or two, maybe Vince Evans. Vince Evans, Chicago. What was it? Yeah. 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 And uh, man, I don't, I don't really know after that, to tell you the truth. Um, yeah. There were yeah. many. I know, when, I know the year I came out, Doug Williams was drafted, I think, uh, 13 or 17 by Tampa Bay as right. a first rounder. Right. Um, but again, there weren't many in the league. So, I knew that it was going to be an uphill battle. I knew when I started playing that position in high school that if I wanted to ever make it to even college football or pro football, it was going to be tough because there wasn't a lot of guys that looked like me unless you were running the wishbone or, or running the, uh, the veer or something like that. There wasn't a lot of guys throwing the football. So mm-hmm. that was my strength. And I was, a, I was a good athlete for playing the quarterback position, but I wasn't a great athlete playing quarterback. I was a really good athlete that, that really knew how to throw the football. So – it was just a matter of finding a school that was going to 
uh, let me do that. And that was a tough thing to do coming out of high school. Yeah, and people want, expected you to run first, didn't they? They, yeah. they, weren't, they weren't, like you said, they weren't, weren't interested in your arm. They were interested in what you could do running with the football. Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate, too, because, again, my strength was always been throwing it and uh, uh, trying to convince people that you could do that was very, very tough. First of all, it was just tough trying to convince people that you could be the quarterback, that you could be the leader, that you could be the face, that you could be the guy that is going to make the big decisions at big times in football games. You know, all the different stereotypes that went against African-American quarterbacks back in those days. So yeah. that's something we all had to try and overcome. Yeah. You know, Warren, you had such a live wrist. I don't know if anybody snapped the ball like you did. Yes, you had such zip on the ball, you know, that would come off your hand. Uh, your mechanics were, to me, were impeccable. You know, just uh, mechanically really efficient. And But the snap, did you, in the offseason, did you do anything to develop? Or in those days, did you do anything in the offseason to kind of help your skills as a quarterback? Did, did you get with anybody, or was this just on your own? You know, I did most of it on my own, Coach. Uh, wow. it, it just wasn't a lot of great coaching around yeah. to uh, – to do that, but I did have some good coaches that I worked with, like like June Jones. When he came into Houston, he really helped me as far as throwing my deep ball, uh, putting more air on it, things like that, uh, developing a little bit more touch. Uh, we did some drills and different things to help that. Uh, Kevin Gilbride was very good with me with my with my fundamentals, but a lot of those fundamentals had to do with with run and shoot fundamentals, which are totally different. No, yeah. yeah. Dropping back and throwing the football. So a lot of the things that I learned as far as just throwing the football were, were mainly done by myself. And then in college, I had a really good drill-type coach, uh, a guy by the name of Ray Dorr. I don't know if you're – I know Ray very well, yeah. Ray <laughs> passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. But he was a drill sergeant, and he drilled everything in me. And uh, he's somebody that I really – at the time, didn't uh, understand why he was so hard on me, but uh, I really understood later on why he was because it made me a, a much more efficient player. Well, I, I still remember your name being called and watching you out there playing, and it was the 78 Rose Bowl against Ohio State. Was that? Michigan. 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 Yeah, that's right. Man. Wolverines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we we had our work cut out for us that day. We were seventeen point underdogs, but uh, we, we showed them we had we had a little bit of something going on in the in the Pac ten. Hey, who else was on that team with you? Was was my man Mark Lee on that team with you? Mark Lee was on that team. Uh, Michael Jackson <laughs> was on that team. Nesby Glasgow was on that Nesby, team. Oh, Nesby just passed time. away recently. Yeah, passed away. Uh, yeah, Doug yeah. Martin was on that team. We had some we had some players. They were mostly younger. Those were younger guys. Like when I uh, I left as a senior, those guys still had another year or two. But we had some really good young players. Don James did a great job of recruiting a lot of young guys when he first came in. And we were part of his first recruiting class. I, I came out of a junior college after a year, and the rest of those guys were you know, right out of high school. Yeah. Hey, what, what junior college was that? I, I don't know that. I went to West L.A. Junior College for he a year. He did. Yeah. Because I committed to go to Arizona State out of high school. Ah, <laughs> and, and, uh, Frank Cush was there at the time. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So they signed a kid by the name of Dennis Sproul, who was like the number one, I think, high school quarterback at that time, and another kid by the name of Bruce Hardy. And yeah. when, they, when they got those two guys to commit, they told me they were going to move my position and move me to defensive back. So I decommitted from there. Yeah. That's why I went to junior college for a year. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're because you're an LA kid. You uh, you know our producer Roy Hamilton. Oh, very well. Yeah. Watched yeah. Roy play in high school at Bourbon Day. Uh, him and yeah. Dave Greenwood, they used to rule that city. Greenwood. Okay, now now here, let me run this back. Now here here's the rumor that uh, that Roy apparently was a heck of a, a football player, a quarterback. He says. So now, is that true? Because he went on to play, you know, play basketball at UCLA and yeah. And, and, and you know, I heard you know I heard that about Roy, but I never saw him play, so I really can't tell you. You know, one of those myths that we don't know. About. Well, but see, you know, the other thing about this, Warren, is there. There's a lot of rumor perpetuated by uh, a guy we're talking about how good a basketball player he is until we find out I was on an eight foot rim, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're talking about me, Warren. Listen, I've been known to rain threes on folks, man. So if yeah, you're right. illustration, you just come on up to a glory Hills and I'll, uh, I'll open up the sport court for you guys. There you go. <laughs> It'll be free admission. Now I've seen, I've seen Roy as a, a point guard. So as a point guard, you know, quarterback is a lot like a point guard that we distribute, but he was a lefty too. So I don't know how good he was throwing the football as a lefty. Oh man! Hey, let me go back to this. You, the running shoe. You, you guys think that thing could work right now these days? They're doing a lot of the running shoe concepts right now. I mean, the 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 routes that we throw, the route combinations. I watch them all the time. Like, like which team? Which team? I mean, is it one team in particular? Anybody who spreads the ball out and who runs adjustable routes. A lot of these teams, you know, run routes where you, you see one t one type of coverage, you can run one thing, and you see another type of coverage, you can run yeah. something else. All those, the back shoulder throw, all that stuff was was done by the run and shoe when we started doing it way back in 1990. Now you see them throwing the back shoulders not only to the guys on the outside, they're even throwing it to the guys in the slot. Uh, I think the big the big difference between now and, and what we did is we had four wide receivers all the time. All the time. Well, now we didn't even have a tight end on our roster. But yeah. today you have these – these hybrid tight ends who can run like wide receivers, but they're still tight ends that you can bring them in and, and run the football and put them next to the tackle and run the ball. So you have a lot more versatility because of the type of tight ends that you have in the game today. But when we were on the field, you knew we were throwing it 70% of the time because we just didn't have the big bodies out there to run it at you all the time. Yeah. You know, the thing that kind of ended the run and shoot was where the blitz was being able to hold up against good teams. It yeah. just, the quarterback just got beat up. You know, you didn't have the variations and protections that you do right. with a tight end and stuff. So you got short corners too. Yeah, you didn't have that tight end on one side, and yeah, and both sides had short corners. And boy, did I take some shots after I threw the ball. And the run and shoot, don't you kind of drift to one side basically most of the time? Or a lot of us a half roll one way yeah. or the other. Uh, unless you we're from the gun, we could do it uh, as a drop back. But yeah, most of the time it was yeah, it was a half roll or a half roll to the left or right. Yeah, I, I remember playing against um, uh, Mouse and June, you know, when June went up to Detroit. Yeah. They brought Mouse with him and they brought the run and shoot offense. And, and as a defender, it was the one game where when you finished the game, you just felt disjointed. You never felt like you had a rhythm. You never felt like you had control over anything. The play calling was all over the place. The play calling would come in late when they would pick up tempo. You know, sometimes the calls wouldn't come in at all. And it was just a weird – you would go from covering a slot man-to-man to, -man to uh, you know, being on, on the backside 
of, of a wide out to now you're chasing a little running back on a wheel route up the field. You know, just so many things going on at once. Was Rodney Pete the quarterback? Then? Yes, he was. Yes. Yeah. 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 And he job. was a perfect guy for it. They took them to the playoffs a couple of different times. Yeah. 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 It, it was a difficult offense because – like I said, with all the adjustable routes, depending on how a receiver was being played, he had so many different options. And if the quarterback and receivers were on the same page, it was really, really hard to stop. Yeah, yeah. yeah let, let me go back and ask you about two more quarterbacks because um, I'm, I'm here in L.A. Jared Goff, we hear so much about Jared. And, you know, obviously he's got some great defensive protection around him with Aaron Donald and – Jalen Ramsey and so on. The coach, I think, does a good job. I know Mike has commented on, on McVay's work quite a bit. Where, what do you see from, from Goff? Where is he at right now? Well, to me, he's a lot like Baker Mayfield. You, you have to keep him within, you know, what he does best. And, and he's a really good play-action passer. And he's a guy that you can get him out on the edge, and he throws pretty good on the move. But when you he's not a guy that you want to drop back and throw in the pocket from uh, because – he seems like when pressure's around him, uh, he, he doesn't throw the ball as well. So you want to you go play action where you're blocking things up and he has a lot of protection, or you want to get him outside on the edge where he can throw the ball on the move where he feels more comfortable. And I think as long as they continue to do that, and that all starts with their running game being successful, if their running game is successful, then you can do all the things that Jared Goff does well. But if they're not be able to run the football like they weren't last year, you know, because Todd Gurley was a little banged up in that, now you're relying on him to drop back and throw the football, and that's not his strengths, and that's where he turned the ball over a lot and, and just made a lot of mistakes. So as long as you can keep him within the framework of what he does best, I think uh, he can be a very efficient quarterback for you for a long time. Mm -hmm. The Achilles heel then for them, and I agree with you, Warren, is uh, they get behind, they got to play a two-minute offense. That's just not something they can do very well. No, no. The offensive line, their protections are geared towards play action. They're not a – so the drop, the offensive line is out of sync, so to speak, because they're not used to doing that. It's just not something they do. So you get up, if you're up by two scores in the fourth quarter, it's hard for them to come back. Yeah, it is. And, and I don't think they have – a lot of their routes are, are, are intermediate type of routes. Right. So like deep overs and different things like that. And that's hard yeah. to run a lot of those from drop back because your, your line's got to hold up a little bit longer in a drop back mold. And that's where he tends to get in trouble when things start to squeeze around him in the pocket. And he's just not a quick stroke guy. He's he's a big, big arm yeah. movement. He's just not a guy to throw slants and things like that. The ball doesn't come out very fast, you know, when he goes to throw it. Yeah. No, but, but again, they've been able to, uh, you know, get the most out of him when they're able to run the football well, and they've gone to a Super Bowl. So, yeah, he took them to a Super Bowl. It can't be all bad. Yeah, they have that type of ability. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, Warren, what, what do you see when you, uh, when you watch Tom Brady right now? I still see Tom out there. You know, I, I still see the same guy that was in New Orleans. I mean, in New England, excuse me. But mm -hmm. uh, I, I knew when he went to uh, Tampa Bay that, you know, Bruce Arians has an offense that's intermediate to deep. And uh, they want to push the football down the field. And, and I didn't think that was Tom's strength necessarily. And, and that wasn't his strength at, at, uh, at New England. But but uh, he, he does have the ability to do it so many times a game. You just can't ask him to do it as many times as they've probably been asking him to do it since he's been there. 
but also Tom knew when he went there what he was what he was going to, and I'm sure they had talks about that when they, when he sat down with talking to Tampa about whether he wanted to come there or not. He knew what that offense was, and he knew what they were going to ask him. So none of this is a surprise to any of them. I just thought it would be a little bit more uh, ingrained of what Tom did in New in New England to go along with what Bruce likes to do, and it'd be a little bit more of a uh, a 50-50 balance of that. Yeah, yeah. And you probably already touched on this, and we were talking about the young quarterbacks. I just want to circle back one more time. to, to uh, We talked about Herbert, uh, Tua Tungabailoa, and Jalen Hurts. You know, there's so much talk about, okay, when do you put the young quarterback into the game? You know, do, do, do you wait until you feel like you're comfortable offensive line-wise so you don't get your first-round pick killed? Or do you say, hey, put him in the fire now so we can get the experience so next year we'll be that much further ahead, blah, blah, blah. What's your take on that? How do you handle that? It's a combination of that, uh, Ron. You, you, you don't want to put him out there if, if you're not going to get him protected. Uh, you don't want to put him out there if, uh, if he doesn't have some good weapons around him to work with. Um, and you don't want to put him out there if he's not healthy. <laughs> and with, with Tua, that's the main thing you were looking at because of the injuries he's had. You want to make sure, first of all, he's healthy to go out there and, and do everything he's going to be asked to do. And then you want to make sure he can get protected. Uh, and then he, and you want to hope he has some weapons around him. So I think um, after watching him in practice every week for, for the first six, seven weeks of the season, the coaches felt like he was ready for that. They had a, they had a team they thought was good enough. They had a defense that could – create turnovers and get the ball back, create some short fields for him. And he had enough weapons on the offensive side that he could, um, he could make some noise. And, and I think that's happening for him. He's still, you know, he's still, he's been kind of up and down since he's been in there, but I thought it was the right time to put him in there, even though, you know, Fitzpatrick was playing pretty well at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But if he's going to be your quarterback of the future, if you feel like he's ready, you put him in there when you feel like he's ready. And, some quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers waited three years before he got a chance to play. Or you look at Pat Mahomes didn't play in really till his second year. So it just depends on what you have in front of you uh, and what you have around you before you put a, a quarterback in there. Or in Justin Herbert's uh, case, he got it because of an injury that happened, you know, all of a sudden and he's out there. So it just depends. But but if you had your way of doing things, you want to make sure everything was, was as perfect as possible before you put a young guy out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did an interview with you once a few years back, and I, I said, describe what it's like in the pocket. Like, you know, really try to give me a, a true feel for it. And you, you said something about it's like being in an intersection with four different car crashes going on. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, that uh, now I kind of get it. Yeah, it's like you're standing in the middle of four different car crashes going on around you, and you still have to keep your eyes focused on what you're trying to do down the football field, and not let those things that are happening around you distract you in any way. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. That's a great way of explaining it. I've watched. Uh, I, I remember one time I was playing against the Green Bay Packers, and Reggie White is is rushing in on my right side against Corey Stringer, who was an offensive tackle at that time, weighed about 340 pounds. And I saw Reggie White do an underarm rip, and he threw Corey 
like three feet into the air past me. And, and I, I saw that happen as I'm trying to watch. Well, was it a hum move? <laughs> yeah. you get hum move? I see a 340 pound yeah. man go flying past me. I'm like, what the heck am I doing back? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. He, he did that to several guys. I saw him do big cat Williams like that once. I think it was a hump move. He'd get up under that and the guy's leaning. Man, it's something else. And in that same game, I had Reggie White on one side and Sean Jones on the other side come in uh, from both edges. And then I stepped up just at the last minute as they were getting ready to sandwich me and they collided with each other. Sean had had a concussion and Reggie uh, almost knocked himself out. I, I, that could have been that could have been me. Yeah. <laughs> that could have been me. Well, I was very lucky to last as long as I did, believe me. Man. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a couple names out here at you, and I just want you to just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. All right, okay. So, Don James, man, probably the most respect I've had for any any coach that I've played for. Bruce Matthews, probably one of the most talented offensive linemen I ever played with. He could play center, guard, or tackle and make the Pro Bowl at all three positions. Yeah, and I think he pretty much did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ernest Givens. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Michael Jackson playing receiver. <laughs> oh, man. Chris, Chris Carter. Uh, most one of the most competitive guys I've ever played with. Um, not a not a great burner, but wanted the football in every possible situation, even when he was covered. Just throw it to me. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, Walter Jones. Probably one of the most talented tackles I've ever played with. Um, I don't know if he had the ability to play all the other positions. Maybe he did, but uh, had some of the greatest feet of any left tackle I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Joe Horn. Hollywood. <laughs> that was his nickname. I'm like, Joe, have you ever been to Hollywood? <laughs> he had never been to Hollywood, but somehow he had the Hollywood nickname. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. tells you something about his personality. Yeah, I hear you say, Joe, Joe been all over Mississippi, but I don't yeah. know Hollywood, man. <laughs> He's, never been, He's never been west of the Mississippi. Yeah, right, right. Oh, man. Well, uh, I just wanted to ask you about your um, – your Sports One marketing company. I want to know how that's going. And you and uh, Dave Meltzer, you you guys have founded that. And you've been running that for quite some time. And just tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, it's been a, about 11 years in the making. And uh, it's a company we started uh, basically because of all the different um, uh, relationships we were able to make over the years in the sports, uh, whether it was him during in the technology side or me in the, in the sports side. And we knew that uh, th- that's where a lot of sports was going into technology. So we wanted to line up ourselves with all the different contacts that we had and try and create op- marketing opportunities for those companies that wanted to, to go in those directions. So that's kind of been the focus of what the company was trying to do. Um, just take advantage of marketing opportunities for companies that wanted to get more involved in sports. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't involve any uh, like player representation, anything like that, does it? You know, the only time any representation comes into it, we have a lot of relationships with players. So if a company wanted to use a player maybe as a endorser or or a spokesperson or something like that, we knew what players we could approach and what relationships we had with those players or with their representatives. And and we'd get that done that way as well. I see. Okay. Okay. 
I didn't want to get into the, the representation side of it. That, that's something I did with Lee Steinberg when I first retired. Uh, I, I went into his, uh, his firm, but I, I really didn't like that part of it. I, uh, you know, chasing yeah. around 21 year olds, trying to convince them to, to, uh, to sign with you. And, and uh, you're almost like a babysitter to these guys, man. So that wasn't something I enjoyed doing. It, it took yeah. me about a year to figure that out. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on Super Bowl teams? We'll wrap it up with, with that. Man, I, I tell you what, in the AFC, it looks like it's, it's going to come down right now if you look at it today, and it keeps changing every week. This season has been so, so different. One, because of uh, just the competitiveness of football in general, then two, with COVID going on, games being canceled, how it affects everybody's health, all of that. But the, yeah. the one consistent at the top on the AFC has been Kansas City. It doesn't matter – you know, what's happened with them if they drop behind in games or whatever it is, you know, they're 12 and one right now and, and they find a way to win games. And, and you, you, you got to be impressed with them because being the Super Bowl champ, you're going to get everybody's best effort every time you play against them. And, and they have to rise to that level every week. and They've been able to do it. Uh, Buffalo is a team that is really trending and I think has an opportunity to maybe be in the AFC championship game against them. So I would see those two maybe in the championship game. Um, in the NFC, boy, oh boy, it's a, it, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Um, I thought New Orleans was the team to beat up until this past week. They just did not look good um, yeah. the other day when they lost um, to Philadelphia. And they've got to get Drew Brees back in that offense to get that offense clicking again to go along with their defense. Their defense just can't hold up every week like it's been asked to do since he's been gone. So. Um, I think New Orleans is still one of the top teams in that division. Seattle's starting to get their thing turned around a little bit. Um, but it, it's going to – I think the NFC is a, a lot more question marks in, the, in that side of it because it seems like those, those teams go back and forth every week. You find one team that might be hot, then all of a sudden another team shows up and that team you thought was hot drops a game you didn't expect them to. So I think it's going to go right down to the wire in the NFC side. Exactly. Mike, what do you think? I kind of think when the dust settles, Green Bay will be there in the NFC, you know, just yeah. because of the quarterback. Um, yeah. and, they, and the receivers all of a sudden is just Adams has gone nuts and yeah. they're starting to run the ball again. And they're running it very effectively. They're they're not a real good defense, but they're good enough, I think. I think when the dust settles, I think they'll be at the top of the NFC. Yeah. Yeah, and you and you don't want to have to go to Green Bay in in January. Uh, nope, to been there. <laughs> <laughs> I said the exact same thing. If they're, nope. if they're able to get the buy and get yeah. home field and, and have one playoff game at home, they're, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, we actually we actually had coaches uh, almost getting a fist fight, fighting over hand warmers before they went out of the field. <laughs> It's cold out there. You know? Yeah, well, in Minnesota, we played them twice a year, so I, I know about Lambeau Fields. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we talk about that a lot here on my shows here in L.A. I said, to tell the Rams, take that division and get as many games as you can because you don't want to end up – and I think they're a better team all around than Green Bay is, but you just don't want to go back into that. Cause that that's, that's how strong – the quarterback, though, I think, Ron, is I think that's just how strong he is. He's – yeah. He yeah. and Mahomes are probably the two guys you just don't want to play right now. Right. I mean, Lamar's right. performance right. last night. But those two guys, 
if if you got a, a minute to go in a game, you want one of those two guys at quarterback, I think. And that's not to say Russell Wilson isn't that way or anything, but those, they're just freakish in terms of their skills and, and ability really to throw the ball. They really are. All right. Coach, you got anything else? No, it's been an honor to visit with you today, Warren. It's just uh, yeah, Coach, it's been great, uh, great talking to you too. I've, I've uh, always admired you and your offensive, uh, your offensive mind, and and uh, I just always felt like I was a couple of years too late, or otherwise I got would have got a chance maybe to have you coach me for a little. How bit. cool would that have been? That'd just been awesome. That'd have been a dream come true. That would be something else, man. Maybe show on turf. all right when you got before before i let you go go uh you you have a favorite nfl moment career moment anywhere anything wow i think for me ron after everything i went through to just to get into the league the day i signed that first contract was my was my uh my greatest day because that journey to get there you know it took a long time It, 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 it went through another country it it, you know, I went another six years playing somewhere else. And, right. and uh, to finally realize that dream of mine as a young kid to, to get into the National Football League and then be the highest paid player when you got there, that was something that was very, very special to me. And um, mm. I felt like the journey was worth it at that at that point. A lot of persistence and a lot of believing. Yes, huh? sir. A lot of perseverance. Yeah. All right. Warren, always good seeing you, brother. You guys, too. You guys be safe and yeah. uh, have great holidays, all right? Have yes, a great Christmas too, morning. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, tell Roy to keep working on that jumper. <laughs> <laughs> we will. We will. <laughs> I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Once again, a very special thank you to our NFL Hall of Famer, Warren Moon. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Now it's time to turn the mic around and hear from you, our listeners. Got a question for me or the coach? Send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Don't forget to visit us at runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Remember, we're just two old pros trying to make you think a little. Be safe and stay healthy, everyone. Run it again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz is a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ed Maloney, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at Run It Again Podcast.